Welcome back to Technically Speaking. Super excited to be recording this episode. Thank you guys for all the love in the last episode. We've been seeing our Apple podcast rating. Right now we're at like a five star, which is incredible. So thank you so much. We really appreciate all of your support. Honestly, thank you guys all so much for watching. Well, I guess listening and uh, making sure to actually rate the podcast itself. It does help us a lot when it comes to ratings. Um, so make sure if you actually haven't already, download the podcast. Definitely listen to it if you aren't already listening to them. And uh, definitely let us know what you guys think on Twitter at the TS Pod. The links for all of our socials will be in the show notes below. How are you doing, Darsh? It's a new week. How are things going? Honestly, things are going pretty well. Um, I've been trying to stay productive. I've been like losing my momentum a little bit here and there. But um, yeah, no, like I've definitely been keeping busy and just trying to like pump out videos as best as I can. Been testing out the iPhone SE, which has been great. Um, but yeah, my week has been pretty good. What about yourself? Yeah, I saw your video on the iPhone SE 2 in like an unboxing. It was just so good. I can't even tell you. I was like blown away. If you guys haven't seen it yet, you must check it out. It was like epic. Yeah, I actually, I tried, I tried really hard on this one because I wanted to do like an unboxing and a first impressions video, but like I'd been watching a ton of them because I wanted, like I always, I love unboxing videos for the purpose that I love, like anyone really who's like a tech, who's like a tech enthusiast, like I feel like everyone loves to open new pieces of tech because it's kind of like a, it's kind of like Christmas morning in a sense. Every time it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like new, new box to open. Like that's always so much fun. And so I was like, I love the experience of it, but I feel like a lot of videos don't really capture that experience that well. So I wanted to make it as like kind of cinematic as I could. And I think it turned out really well. So definitely go check it out on my channel, channel link below. But you also, you posted your V60 video this week and that was phenomenal. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that video took so much time. Um, There's certain videos where like, you just know it's going to take a long time. And mm -hmm. I'm kind of going through it right now with the SE2 review, but that video in particular was just a long time in the edit because it's like a 14 minute video, which is on the longer side for my content. And there were so many different aspects of the phone that I discussed. So I needed to get a ton of B-roll shots. So I probably spent saw two or three days editing that video, which is like a lot more than I'm used to, but I think that it came out pretty well. So thank you. I appreciate it. No, I, I really, really did enjoy it. Like it was, it was genuinely really, it was a really good video. And I actually agree. Like even my B60 video came out a lot longer than I usually expect it to be. Like my videos usually I try to aim for around seven, eight minutes. So it's not too, too long, but mine for this one came out to like 11 or 12. And it was just, it was interesting because I feel like the phone was so, there was so much going on with it that there was so much to talk about, which I guess kind of led us to even our last episode of this podcast, we were literally talking about it for a solid amount of time. Yeah. Just cause like, like the V60 is a very interesting phone itself, but no, I really, really did enjoy uh, your video for the V60. It turned out really well. Thank you. Yeah. And I also, um, I want to give a shout out to Gio. He helped uh, make the thumbnail for that video. He is one of the best Photoshop people like I've ever met. Um, and he like made it very clean. And I actually have seen a difference in the click-through issue on that video, which for people that don't know, it's basically when YouTube serves up your video, how many people click it. The click-through ratio on that video was much higher than it has been on other videos. So I feel like thumbnails are definitely really important, which kind of brings us into the topic of this podcast, which is how we make our videos kind of like from pre-production to post-production. And we're obviously gonna do future episodes just about like thumbnails and about like getting clicks and getting views and stuff. And we have some special guests for that. But we thought for this podcast, it'd be super interesting to kind of just dive into how we make our videos. I 100% agree. I think that this is going to be a really interesting um, episode for sure, especially because I feel like Jacqueline and I do have different um, like routines and different like post and pre-production like setups and how we like, go through our process. So it's cool to hear two different uh, views on how like we go about making our videos. I know I've been thinking for a really long time about making a video on my channel, just like how I make videos. And um, depending on how this turns out, if any of you guys are interested, tweet me, let me know if you guys want to see that kind of video, we'll definitely uh, get, get working on it. So 
Uh, Jacqueline, do you want to go through like your pre-production? Like, how does your scripting? How does your testing? Like, how does that? How does that process work for you? Yeah. Um. So I've kind of gone through phases with the pre-production of like, I will not script any of my videos. I want them to be like off the cuff, and then scripting every single word. Um. And it's kind of when I'm doing either of those things, I feel like it's the only way to do it. And then eventually, like, I kind of just go back to the other way. Right now, I'm in the phase of mainly just doing a general script of like where I maybe write down word for word what I want to say but then when I'm actually filming I just use that as a guide and I found that right now at least that's the most effective way for me so for myself it looks like I start testing the phone and depending on the product it's either like a one to two week full test with it and then I as I'm going through that process I keep a document where I just write down bullet points like oh for example on the iPhone SE 2 no tap to wake and things like that. And I'll just keep a list of things that I want to mention in the review that I can't forget. And then at the end of the one week or the two week, whenever I feel like I know the device well enough, I'll start actually writing a script of including all of that and then coming up with like the objective for the video. Um, And then also during the scripting process, I come up with the title, obviously. Mm -hmm. One of the most important things on YouTube for getting my clicks and stuff is having an interesting title. 100%, yeah. Yeah, so I'll come up with like maybe two or three titles um, and I'll kind of use that as a process to guide the way I'm going to frame the video. What about you? Do you do like a similar thing or like totally different? Well, it's, it's like kind of similar. So when it comes to the actual like review time for the phone, I feel like it it really does vary depending on like the type of phone or like what it is that I'm reviewing. Like the V60, I spent a solid week just playing with before I actually started like touching the review video. But then for the SE, I had it for three days and I was like, I know, I know exactly what this is. I can get started because I felt like the SE, okay, the SE in specific was because like, like my main daily driver is an iPhone. Like I use an iPhone on my day to day. So I know iOS through and through. So when I'm using the SE, I know exactly what the differences are. I can see them really simply. And then on top of all of that, like the SE has an iPhone 8 form factor. And I used to use an iPhone 7 and I I had, I literally had, I think most iPhones. I've had the 5S, I've had the 6, I've had the 6S, I've had the 7 and I had the 10, I didn't get the eight. And then I have the 10 R and I'm gonna upgrade to the 11 hopefully before the 12 comes out then get the 12 after. Like I like to get all the iPhones I get to check check them out so I could tell immediately what the differences were. But when it comes to testing products like that, it does vary. But scripting actually, I used to opt into what you do. Like I'd be sitting and do, um, like have like a generic thing I wanted to say and then kind of like go off the cuff a little bit when I was speaking. But I started doing, actually, a lot of YouTubers do this. And like, I actually looked to you, like, I, I saw you doing it. I was like, okay, I kind of want to try this. So it's like, I filmed the entire, um, like the entire like A-roll sequence at one go with the recording going at the same time so that I can like cut to shots of me talking to the camera midway through the video rather than just an intro and an outro. And like, I really like that. But because I'm doing that, I have cues in my script now that I'm looking up to the camera that I have to memorize. And then the other things I'm looking down at my script. I used to keep my script on my tablet and I just like read through it um, because I find myself stumbling over my words a lot and I get really incoherent with what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I feel like for me, especially like, because I can get off topic really easily, like I'd prefer to have a script, but like something like this podcast, like I like talking off the cover, like, like just having a conversation. I feel like that really adds to it. Yeah, I agree. Um, So on your point, I also do the thing where I just read everything in front of the camera. I think like there's a style on YouTube where some people have a clear distinction between like voiceover and talking to the camera. And we actually talked about this, like not on the podcast, but last week when we were just like talking. Yeah. And I think that that is so interesting for a certain style of videos. And I actually may try it in a future video, but right now I just record everything 
I use a microphone called the MKH416, which is like an incredible microphone from Sennheiser. Beautiful. Yeah, it's so good. And that sounds pretty good for recording. And then I actually don't do the thing where I decide what I'm going to say on camera or what I'm going to like just read in a voiceover. I kind of just feel it out as I'm recording. Like if there's a line that feels like it's meant to be delivered um, while looking at the camera, then I'll do that. But I do put in the script sometimes like an emotion that I'm trying to convey. Like if it's a joke, Mm -hmm. like I clearly put that so I can like make sure that that is emphasized on video. But I don't know, like scripting definitely takes a long time, but I feel like in the end it saves you time because it makes the edit a little bit easier. Oh, 100%. Oh my goodness. Like, so like I remember last year uh, when I went off to university, I would be like in my dorm room and I'd be like trying to like like do a video and my roommate would just be sitting across from me and I'd mess up so many times just going off the cuff or like reading bullet points and he'd just be laughing at me just because I was like, I kept messing up. I kept like messing up on camera and I kept having to restart. And he's like, yo man, like I just want to invite people to our room. I just want to chill and listen to music. Like, why are you ruining the day? And I'm like, sorry, man. But like, it's literally just like, I feel like the script really does help because then you're not doing as many cuts when you're like going through the video. And then on top of all of that, like you're just genuinely having like, like a good consensus of what you're saying. And like, again, with like the emotion, you're actually able, you can prepare yourself to speak a certain emotion, which does help carry out your point. Yeah. I feel like it's really hit or miss for scripting. Yeah. Also, I was going to say that uh, one of the helpful things that I do if I mess up a script to hide the jump cut, and I don't know if you do this as well, is I'll like zoom in the next clip in the editing software. So like the first clip is at 100% and then the next clip I'll put it at like 120%. So it looks like an intentional cut versus like, oh no, I've made a mistake in the script. Um, and that has definitely helped kind of like bridge and kind of hide those mistakes. That's actually genius. I've ne- I'd never thought of that. Yeah, I did not come up with it, but thank you. No, like my brother like calls me out on my uh, on my editing a lot. Like he'll go through all my videos and he'll tell me like when like I've messed up something because I usually like I remember when I did my channel trailer for 2020, I sent it to him and he's like, "Yo, this is trash." Like we do it, and I was like, "Shoot!" Like, <laughs> I was like, "Okay, cool." Like thanks for the harsh info, but sure, I'll do it. And I redid it. And he's like, he's like, "Look, you scripted it, and it's like now instead of it being three and a half minutes long, it's like a minute and a half, and like." their attention rates can be a lot higher because people can be willing to watch it. And I'm like, okay, that's actually fair. Like, that's smart. Yeah. Like, because if you're scripting it or, like, you have, like, a good idea and you're good at just speaking, you're making it that you're not going to, like, bore people by the end of it. So I feel like, like, yeah, like, for me right now, like, scripting is, like, all I need. But I might go back to an off-the-cuff if I can figure out my wording, like, beforehand or something like that. Yeah, and is your brother, like, a film student or what's his background with that? Oh, no, my brother's uh, my brother's in digital marketing right now. Gotcha. So he's just, like, so he just, like, he... He does like a, kind of some of this stuff, but like he's not actually producing it. So he gives me the tips and he's like, okay, yeah, like this is like what I know from like marketing. Like this is what I can like help you with. But like I, it's still like, it's different because he's not necessarily marketing on YouTube. So no, I, I don't mean that. That's cool. Yeah. I definitely sometimes like when I film something or shoot something, I'll send it to someone that isn't directly making videos to get like the general perspective yeah so i think that's pretty cool no i do that all the time i said i have a group of friends from high school i literally send them my thumbnails i send them the videos beforehand and i'm like hey what do you guys think just like here's a poll on facebook messenger just tell me what you think like i need feedback like right now yeah and like five or six of them will actually respond and i'll be like okay dope like this is, this is good feedback this is good feedback <laughs> and i gotta go back into my edit yeah this is kind of getting us a little off topic but i was making a video on the iphone se2 like writing the script for that mm-hmm. um and i was like you know it'd be really interesting like if i got like my friend's perspective on it like have they heard of it do they think of it as like the same level as like the 11 pro or like the s20 so i send them a text and i'm like hey these next questions are going to be based upon the fact that you know what the se2 is and the first question was like do you know what the iphone se2 is and then every single person responded back like haven't heard of it yet and i was like 
how is that possible? Like Apple's marketing needs to be stepped up a little bit. They hadn't heard of it yet. So that video of course did not actually make it to the channel because there wasn't much there, but it is interesting to get like the general perspective because I feel like sometimes we're so immersed in tech mm -hmm. and like the space that it's good to get the perspective of someone that maybe is just searching for a video because they're interested in buying the phone versus like interested in the tech. No, exactly. Like I actually had a friend, I put it on Snapchat when I was like filming like the unboxing and a friend of mine reached out and he's like, hey man, let me know what you think of the iPhone SE. Like my, my sister's thinking about picking one up. And I had other friends like, wait, there's a new iPhone? Like they were actually, con they were confused. Like, yeah, people don't know. They, like I feel like, especially right now too, like not everyone's keeping up with like tech news because I feel like no one thinks there's going to be phone drops yeah. like right now, but there are. Like, I think even Motorola announced a new phone like today or yesterday, something like that. Like it's, you don't expect it, but I guess it happens. Yeah. All right. So that's kind of our pre-production workflow. We tested the phone or the product for a little bit, and then we read our script. But I think it would be interesting also to talk about how we plan out the intro sequences because if uh, any of you guys have watched our videos, you know that oftentimes we'll put in like a little intro sequence where it's kind of like to get you amped. It's like shots of the phone uh, set to music. And I know for myself personally, I plan those in advance and I write down like a short shot list. So I thought that would kind of be interesting to talk about how we get ready to make one of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I actually, I'll, I'll, I think I want to talk about that because like, I want to talk about like, so you plan yours, right? Like you actually go through like the plan. Yeah. I actually don't. Interesting. Like I have, I have an, I have like a vision of like what I kind of want. Like the, like on like, I use epidemic sound for like my background music. So I have an idea of like what kind of music I want. Like I want like an epic hip hop track. Um, and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I know I want something like that. So I want like a shot where I'm doing A or doing B and like, I'm trying to like, like I have an idea in my head, but I never write it down. I feel like it's the one thing as like a, as like a video creator, I guess that I lack because I never storyboard. Like that's a huge thing in film. Like you need to storyboard everything. And I'm like, I don't do that. I kind of just like go off what I see in my head and I try to make it in real life. Yeah. Um, I don't always like storyboard. And I also, I feel like oftentimes like I'll write something down. And I'm like, all right, like started out with a shot next to the coffee maker overhead and that I'll plan this whole thing. And then when I'm actually in the like shooting process, I'll realize that like there's a better way to transition or something, but I kind of like just having the general general set although like I was working on a project a couple months back for Google Play um about a new game called Battle Cats mm -hmm. and uh we shot like 400 gigabytes of footage so it was a lot that's a lot wow yeah so I didn't have like the story planned or how I was gonna put it together planned and it kind of all just came together in the edit with music so I feel like it can kind of go either way but if you're working with like a team of people then it's like, okay, I should probably plan this out. But if it's just you, either way kind of works. But that's like the main way that I do it. There's certain intro sequences where I basically have to think about how I'm going to do like a in-camera transition. For example, if like you go from a black background and then you want to pan into that background to then reveal the next shot, mm -hmm. then that's like the type of thing that I plan for. But you don't and it just works for you. So Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's funny because like um, when I'm doing my review video, I just get like a ton of B-roll. Like, and it, it's actually not a great thing. Like when you say that like, you got 400 gigs of footage, like I was talking to my brother about this and he was like, um, he's like, like for our generation, like, Gahakamari, you know, like a really hard thing to find is going to be space, like literally just storage, like digital storage. So like, he's like, he's telling me, cause I have a, so I have one four terabyte, like desktop hard drive sitting on my desk and like, I back up everything to there. I've already gone through like three and a half terabytes. It's been, it's been a year and a half. Wow. Um, and he's like, he's like, yeah, like, look, cause I have all of my videos from like for the past five years that I've been on the channel and like all of my videos are on there. And he's like, yeah, man, like, honestly, like, because you're not planning out your sequences, you're shooting more than you need to. Like there are so many times where like I'll find shots that don't actually work nice or like that aren't nice 
after the fact and i'll be like okay like i can't use this yeah so i feel like to some some degree planning is really important but for me what i've been doing i have not been planning whatsoever i've just been like i was like okay cool like, i like this shot I like this shot this looks cinematic okay cool 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 and I just throw it all into like a sequence I'm like, okay cool yeah i don't actually plan any of the b-roll i only plan the sequence and then i actually find a lot of times i don't have enough and then i have to like go back and shoot the second day because one thing I'm trying to do now in my videos is have every shot kind of have like a slightly different set because I feel like it kind of gets boring as a viewer to see like the same like over the shoulder shot over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I try to like shoot them in different environments. Yeah. So I often have to go back and like shoot another environment or do another overhead. So yeah, storage is definitely tough. Plus I'm obviously not at my office right now. Yeah. And I have at my office a 16 terabyte drive with all of my like videos from the past five oh, years on wow. it. Oh, yeah. And I can't ha- access any of it. So yeah. it's like I needed a shot of the iPhone 8 yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, no, I just can't get it. Like I could download it from YouTube, but then it's like lower quality. So it's definitely good to back up, but it takes so much space. For those who are listening who don't know, I'm like, I'm in university right now. And um, when I, when like this entire COVID-19 outbreak started, I came back immediately. Like I didn't move out yet. I literally just left. Like my parents pulled up and like, I took out like, like a decent, I took my clothes and I took like a couple of like notable things, but I made sure the first thing I grabbed was my hard drive. That was really smart. I did not do that. I was like, what do I really need from the office? Like I'll probably be able to get back in next week. And I literally only took my tripod, my camera and my monitor. And then I had to rebuy every single item. So I bought like a new light. I bought a new C-stand. There was just like my Amazon cart, like was just ridiculous of how many items I had to buy again. No, exactly. And I, I actually, I feel like, like spending on like, on equipment has always been like, like I said, like everyone always says this too. They're like, oh, um, like equipment doesn't make the content. It's content, right? That leads. Yeah. I might just be a little shallow for this. I don't like not high quality content. Like I just like, I don't, I'm not drawn to it. Like, like I understand when storytellers, like Case Nassau, for example, and like Peter McCann, they'll all say like, it's about the story that you tell. And I agree, but I feel like sometimes to be able to tell the best story, you do need to use the, like the right equipment. Yeah. And that's why like for me, like now I've stopped like, using uh subpar equipment like things that like i always make sure to use the equipment that i know is like best that i know will work like that kind of thing yeah i almost feel like the uh phrase should be revised to be um the gear does not matter in the beginning yeah like it does not matter when you're getting started you should just start and use whatever you have but obviously as you progress you want your content to improve and then like if you can afford it, the gear does matter a little bit, especially in the niche that we're in. Like people just expect a certain amount of quality. Yeah. Depending on how long you've been doing it. Like I don't want this to uh, deter anyone. Like you should totally get started if you want to. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely start. I started on a really cheap camcorder, but eventually it matters. Like for example, one of the staples of my content is overhead shots, and I just could not get them without a C stand. So like there are certain things that gear enables in order for you to tell a better story, and one of those is like a good light or certain things like that just to keep the content interesting. I agree. I definitely agree. Uh, so when it comes to like our overall intro sequences, I think that like we both have a pretty interesting way to go about it. And like, it's honestly up to the person who's actually creating those intro sequences. Um, but before we actually do get into the actual videos and the editing process, I do want to give you guys a little bit of a break. We've been talking nonstop for about 20 minutes. So I uh, definitely take a break. We'll be back from the break and just, oh, I guess for you guys, a couple of secs. Be right back. Welcome back to Technically Speaking. Hope you guys either got a drink or just got a little more comfortable. 
We're talking about how we actually shoot the videos now and the editing process. We're going to do like a brief overview, uh, maybe get a little in-depth in certain areas, but if you want us to talk about one specific topic more thoroughly in another episode, you should just tweet us at either our personal handles or at the TS Pod on Twitter and let us know what you want to hear more about and we'd be happy to talk about it. 100%, yeah. So Jacqueline, so just on the topic of like shooting and editing, how do, like what's your workflow really like when it comes to the overall shooting and editing process? I know we talked about it a little bit before the break, but like, I guess a little bit more in depth, like how does that go for you? Yeah. So uh, in terms of shooting, I shoot the overall A-roll clip, as I mentioned, and for people that don't know, A-roll is when you're talking to the camera and B-roll is the shots of the product. Uh, so my A-roll shots, it's basically depending on the video, like a 10 to 30 minute clip of me just talking, like doing the script. And then I kind of overlay the B-roll where it seems natural or, or where, I, let's say I mentioned like a phone is a headphone jack, I overlay a shot of the headphone jack so people can see it. So start out with the A-roll um, and I set up my lights and everything for that. Um, and I only have one light for my main light. So when I set up my A-roll, I then have to deconstruct it all when I'm doing my B-roll. So it's like setting that up every time. So I probably spend like 30 to 40 minutes setting everything up, getting like the lights in the background. I just got some new LED lights with gels on them. Ooh. Yeah, so I can get like pink and blue light in the background. So I'm excited about that. Uh, so I've been playing around with that lately. And then I shoot the A-roll and then um, the B-roll as well. But I think let's hear about how you shoot your A-roll first and then we can kind of delve a little bit deeper into B-roll. Yeah, for sure. So... Um, for me, when it comes to a roll, like I, mine's actually very similar to you. So I, I do, I have to reconstruct and set up my setup every single time for my a roll shot. So that's why they do end up differing. I guess like they, they end up changing. I guess time to time, which in some sense is nice mm -hmm. because I guess for my viewers, they can see a little bit different like parts of the angle showing off my desk. But um, yeah, so I have to set up my lighting. I have two soft boxes that I bought when I, I guess like when I was at like a thousand subscribers. Um, and those two soft boxes, I started shooting, actually, I used to only shoot at night, like exclusively at night. Cause I wanted to use all my Philips Hue lighting so that it would like illuminate the background. And I was like, I started realizing, I was like, it just looks depressing in my room at that point. Like for me, like for the way that I was doing it, it started just looking like really, really sad. And I was like, like, forget this. Like I have free time in the day now I'm going to do it. So I started shooting during the day and I use my, I have a huge window in my room. So I started using um, the window as a key light for the background. And then I started using the two other soft boxes as an overhead and a side profile lighting. So the way that I'd position myself for the video, the back was a key light from the window, but I also had it as like hitting part of my other side of my face. So it worked out as, as basically like a three point lighting setup. Interesting. And then I'd have some hue lighting in the background just to add a little bit of like color and aesthetics. And I shoot my A-roll like like at one time, like one go, I'll sit down and just like read through it. It'll take a couple of tries. So setting up usually around 20 minutes or so. And then, uh, like actually like recording depending on the video will it can take me up to like an hour or two hours of just like trying and trying again yeah um i gotta say your a-roll is some of the prettiest a-roll like in terms of the coloring like it's just so aesthetically pleasing i like strive to be at that level of color coordination it looks so good that, that's actually a, that's a huge that's a huge compliment actually coming from you like i look up to like the thing is if you guys haven't realized this yet like, like so jack and i have known each other for years jacqueline's grown to like a like, I consider Jacqueline to be just at like to some point like famous like I oh. I like I tell when I tell friends like I have like a friend on like a YouTuber friend I'm like she's like an actual YouTuber she's like she has over 100,000 subscribers like I'm like this I'm a hobbyist like, th like for her like this is like this is insane for she's kind of famous oh, thank you I don't know. Um, but like so whenever I think of like creating my videos like I'm I'm looking up to you and looking for I look to you for advice like I hit you up now all the time for like thumbnail support and like like help me with like like descriptions and stuff like that, like figuring like how to promote my videos properly. So literally hearing that from you right now, like it, it makes me really happy. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, you're crushing. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of our 
main A-roll thing, and also one thing I'm trying to do more recently that I think uh, Marquez does so well is have, like, a different set for every video. It's, like, yeah, so interesting, exactly. like, to be like, oh, like, what is he going to do next? Mm-hmm. So I, at my office, which obviously, again, I'm not at right now, I had, like, these three giant windows in the back, and I would always just shoot in front of those windows. And then the day before uh, lockdown began, I found, like, this different angle where I was basically shooting... Um, towards the couch in the window, so it was just a little different. Mm-hmm. And that video got like really positive feedback, like, oh, I love that you switched up the angle. So now in this new temporary office, I'm trying to do the same thing. So I have like two main sets, one where it faces the two couches behind me, mm-hmm. and then one where it faces like this blue corner. And I'm going to add some artwork because I just feel like to keep like the interest and for people to know right away, like, hey, this is a new video. It's kind of interesting to switch it up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And even like for me, like I agree, like the artwork actually makes a huge difference. Like um, I only started putting up posters and like actual like I guess kind of artwork in a sense like after I got back from university because I I ended up buying a bunch of artwork and like posters and stuff for university. But funny enough, I actually have three posters on my wall that I actually designed with my brother. Wow. So we basically went online and found the patents for the first ever camera, the first ever um, iPod, and the first ever Macintosh. And uh, we took those, put them into Photoshop, and just like played around with like the schematics for them and printed them out. I actually, I think it was, I think it was Brendan Havard. I think I saw like one video he had like a poster or something like that in a frame with like a schematic. And I was like, yo, this looks dope. I want this in my university room. I put it in my videos and I feel like it adds like a whole new layer to like the set. So it's like definitely really cool. I think artwork will make a huge difference and it'll honestly help in the in the long run. Yeah, I agree. I think that's so sick. Also, a lot of people use um, this like dark navy-ish gray color and that does a really really good job of reflecting light and this room by chance just has that color in it so i'm gonna start getting a little bit interesting with like leds and stuff yeah but that's like mainly a roll i feel like a roll really comes down to just like set design like there's not a whole lot of like skill really to it in terms of like how you're like setting up the camera and things like that yes what you can set up your set and also like I mean, if you want bokeh, you always have to remember, like, to keep your background as far away from you as possible. Yeah. Um, and there's actually another thing, another thing to mention with A-Roll. So I actually don't have, I don't have autofocus on my camera. Wow. Like, none whatsoever. I didn't know that. So all my videos are shot manual focus. Oh my gosh. That is like, ugh, I can't even imagine. I bought a Sigma um, 17 to 50 f2.8 constant lens when I had, when I was like, I used to be shooting on like a 10-year-old camera. It was like a Canon Rebel T2i. It was a 1080p camera. Then I upgraded to my, I upgraded to an A6300. And I just bought like a converter for my lenses, but the converter um, doesn't work for autofocus. So everything's manual. So I just wanted to mention that for like my A-roll, like that's actually a huge part of it. Like actually setting setting that up. How do you do that? Like, what do you do? So the um, the A6300 that I use has like a remote uh, remote operations application, like on like tablets and phones and stuff. And um, Samsung actually sent me out like an their iPad competitor a couple months back. And I've been using this like every single day. And I use it especially for videos as a viewfinder. So I connect it to the screen and then from sitting in front of it, I just play around with the focus until I get it right. Um, and then I can like do that. So that's how I started getting shots where like I'm in the frame and it's like me using the phone or something like that. So that's always really dope. Yeah, I use autofocus for my A-roll, but I shoot most of my B-roll with manual. But I actually just got this brand new monitor, which you can see Darsh behind me because we're in a video call. Uh, obviously, you guys can't see it. Yeah, I was wondering actually, yeah. Yeah, so it's like so sick. It's basically like a TV screen and then it's mounted on a stand mm-hmm. and it's like 26 inches. So that's actually helped a lot. It's like a viewfinder for my camera. The main area where it helps is B-roll. This is kind of a smooth transition. Yeah. Uh, when I'm shooting B-roll shots, I'm doing manual focus so I want to be able to see that I have everything in frame and I also do a ton of overheads um, and when I'm doing that obviously then I can't see the camera because it's straight over my head so I like can't or straight over the product rather so mm-hmm. I can't see uh, the viewfinder on it and then I just use that and it goes right in front of me so I can see what I'm doing 
Um, and overheads, for people that don't know, it's basically like a top-down shot where the camera is parallel to whatever you're showing. I feel like, is that a good way to explain it? Yeah, I think that's pretty, like, like yeah, it's pretty much just like, it's a top-down overview. It's like a bird's-eye view. Like, I think that's probably like a good way to describe it. Like a bird's-eye view yeah. of what you're doing. So like unboxings, a lot of the time, are overhead shots. So they'll be like, the camera's essentially faced directly at the table, like going face down directly, and you'll have your hands in the shot. And like, that's like a, that's a downward facing shot. Like that's overhead. Yeah. And it looks so good. Like again, with overheads, it's not as much about like the gear that you're using. It's much more about set design in the same way that A-roll is really about set design. Yeah. So getting like different backgrounds and it's just so fun. Like I love overhead shots and it's one of the easiest ways to get a bunch of different B-roll shots with minimal effort of like... When you're doing other B-roll shots that aren't overhead, you really have to think a lot about like framing and focus and bokeh and things like that. But overhead, you can make it look good with just one key light and a C-stand. So for anyone that wants to get started, that would be something I would definitely invest in because I think it looks really professional. Um, and that's like something you can also market to clients. You can get them overhead footage because something about it just looks like really professional and cool. So I try to include a lot of that in my videos as one of the main aspects of B-roll. And then the other B-roll shots, there's like two types that I do. There's uh, the first person b-roll which is when i hold the camera and then it looks like you're holding the phone like i have the phone in my hand and the camera is if you're seeing it like through your eyes so it's kind of a cool perspective mm -hmm. um and then there's like the third person b-roll where it's like you see me with the product or you just see the product um and i think it'd kind of be interesting to break down those three and i think that uh for you it's kind of similar right in terms of the types yeah so i'm not going to dwell too much into my b-roll um because it is actually very similar uh, but basically, yeah, it's the same. So for me, my B-roll, like, I don't actually don't do that many overhead shots. I don't have a C-Sand or anything like that. I've been using this. So if you guys haven't been able to tell the theme of my equipment, it's all like, I use a lot of stuff till it's broken. Like I just like, I keep using like my, my, my lights, they're old as, they're old as all hell. Like, um, my tripod is this Velbon like budget tripod I found on like Kijiji. Like it was like, it's like kind of like Craigslist in Canada. Like I think like, I bought it on there just as a smooth tripod head. And I was like, okay, cool. That's all I need. Um, so my overhead shots, I don't actually have, I actually didn't know I could just get a C, uh, C stand and do it like that. So I might end up just doing that. Yeah. You should. Um, because my, when I was doing my unboxing for the iPhone SE, I found it really, really hard to set up. I actually did it on the corner of a table. So my tripod legs could go around it. Wow. Uh, and I could put that, put the camera facing directly down. So it's kind of hard to maneuver, but it's that's actually a really good note to take. But a lot of my shots are, I started doing the, the, the third person shots where I'm actually in the frame. And that's actually really due in part to, um, using my tablet as a viewfinder because I can make sure the shots are in focus because I wasn't able to do that before. Like I couldn't trust the manual focus on the camera unless I wanted to use the kit lens. And I was like, I don't really want to use the kit lens. Like it's, it's not really like the glass isn't that nice. It's really small. Um, so I'm going to keep my lens, my main lens, but overall, yeah, like, um, I do, I started doing a lot more for uh, third person. My first person shots, I've always been, I've been doing them for so long. And, um, I do, I started doing a lot of slow-mo shots. Um, so that I can like in post speed them up and like add that like slowing effect after the fact. Interesting. Yeah. So I bought an Edison bulb, um, and I put it in this, like in this, like small little, like light fixture. And I started putting that in my shots. So like, it'd be like the corner of the shot would have that Edison bulb in it. So it's not like fairy lights, but it's like similar kind of. So it's really interesting on how I can get shots now with that. Or like, I'm trying to like move around the house. So like I started filming in my sister's room. I set up my sister's room, like really, really nice with all these cool lights and stuff. And I was like, yo, you know what? I'm using your room now. Like there's fairy lights and there's like, <laughs> there's LifeX hue bulbs in there. I'm, I'm just going to use it. And I started using her room for shots. Like it, it works out really well whenever you try to, I guess, change up the set design. Yeah. 
And what do you do uh, in terms of your slow-mo? Is it like 60 frames per second or 120? Like, what are you shooting? Uh, I think it's 60 or one. I actually I actually have no idea. I just press, uh, I, all I know is that on my camera, I go to function. I press uh, turn on program auto and I just go from there. <laughs> That's whatever the A6300 does by standard for uh, for uh, the actual, what is it called? Slow-mo. I literally lost all the words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, um, I also use slow-mo as well, but I feel like it'd be, super interesting uh for us to maybe get some questions from you guys and then kind of gear what we talk about maybe the next episode maybe we'll leave a couple minutes at the end to talk about some b-roll if you have like specific questions about how we've lit certain shots or i know a while back i did uh an intro to the airpods pro review where i put in the headphones and there's a fan behind me mm-hmm. and then the airpods pro have active noise cancellation and the fan fades out at the same time that the headphones go in i know i got a lot of questions about that so if you guys are interested in how i did that or how Darsh has done something, definitely let us know by tweeting us and we'll mention it in the next episode. But I feel like that's that's kind of a place to lead us out. This was a really fun episode uh, to just like actually record because I'm really interested in making videos and I'm so interested in hearing how other people do it. So uh, I'm happy that this was requested and I'm happy that we were able to do it. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I was really, really happy to uh, to actually talk about this and also like it's like we haven't talked about it like fully in depth ever i feel so i feel like this is really cool for us too as well because we can actually we've been able to learn off the experience which has been pretty great yeah uh yeah so definitely uh let us know if you enjoyed this episode by giving us a five-star rating if you're listening on apple podcast and based on our analytics a lot of you are so uh that would mean a lot and thank you to everyone that's already done that uh if you guys want to check out anything that we mentioned in this video in terms of like the videos that we mentioned that we just worked on we'll leave that in the show notes Mm -hmm. as well for you to check out yeah exactly so definitely let us know what you guys want to see next if you are listening and you do enjoy it make sure to share it like that's a huge thing as well we really are trying to grow this podcast to as many people as we can because we feel like we we do convey some like pretty good conversation and if you agree with us definitely share it on twitter tag us we'll retweet you um <laughs> and also we want to give a huge shout out before we leave uh, a huge thank thank you to adil constantine for creating our intro and our outro music um he did a fantastic job so uh we'll leave his link down below as well yeah and thank you to luke from liquid for our cover art and for helping us edit these really appreciate it with that said we'll catch you in the next one uh next week all right bye bye bye